that may have perished in the event. Uh, they've only gotten people that were outside of the event. That's the 55. Uh, but I guess they're going to be start searching structures. And as the governor said, it could go up uh, dramatically. We could see a lot more fatalities. And again, right now, 55 people confirmed dead. There's been a surge of community support and donations pouring in. And here's a look on your screen of ways you can help. If you, you could also call the Red Cross, that number is there on your screen. I'm Nicole Burley. That's all for News Nation Now. I thank you so much for watching. We'll give you a quick look at our primetime lineup. The Hill starts now. Today, a major move in the case against Hunter Biden. Merrick Garland reverses course, appointing a special counsel in the investigation. What we know about the surprise announcement made just hours ago. Plus, corn dogs and candidates. Iowa is political ground zero as presidential hopefuls swarm the state fair. This time around, the Republican frontrunner, Donald Trump, rolling in with his entourage and breaking some unwritten rules. And the devastating aftermath from deadly wildfires that scorched Hawaii, reducing a city to ashes. The death toll now at 55. We talked to a local leader on the ground in Maui about recovery efforts and where people who have lost everything will go from here. The Hill on News Nation starts now. I'm Mike Vicara. We have a lot of news and a great panel to talk about it tonight. May Mailman, a former Trump White House attorney. Rebecca Heinrichs, a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. Michael Starr Hopkins, Democratic strategist and contributor at The Daily Beast. And Johanna Masca, former Obama official and News Nation contributor. And we begin tonight with some major and unexpected news on the investigation of President Biden's son, Hunter. Today, the prosecutor leading that investigation He's got a new title, special counsel. David Weiss has been a target of Republicans for a plea deal he made with Hunter Biden when the Republicans considered too soft. That deal fell apart. And now Weiss leads the investigation into a new phase as special counsel. Our chief Washington correspondent, Blake Berman, has the latest. Blake, how significant is this move? Well, it certainly brings this case uh really into the next phase, I guess you can say, Vic. Remember, the speed of all this, or really the lack thereof, had been a, a big question and a big concern for many. Let, let me show you some of the timing here as it relates to all of this and how we got up until this point. Remember, this investigation into Hunter Biden started five years ago, back in 2018. Then in June of this summer, finally, a plea deal was reached, uh, reached in the case as it related to Hunter Biden's taxes and a gun possession charge as well. But a month later, a judge rejected that plea deal. And now we know that David Weiss believes the two sides can't come together. So a trial involving the son of the president of the United States is likely in this case. So on Tuesday, Weiss asked to become special counsel. And today, the Attorney General Merrick Garland said he granted him just that. This appointment confirms my commitment to provide Mr. Weiss all the resources he requests. It also reaffirms that Mr. Weiss has the authority he needs to conduct a thorough investigation and to continue to take the steps he deems appropriate independently, based only on the facts and the law. But Republicans are saying, wait a minute, this is the exact same David Weiss who cut the plea deal that was thrown out by a judge, a plea deal that they view as a sweetheart deal, and they have reservations that he now is elevated to special counsel. For example, here was Lindsey Graham earlier today on News Nation. 
Well, there's nothing new or special about Mr. Wise being made a special counsel. Uh, this makes every problem they have worse. This was a political decision by the Biden administration uh, to fix their political problem. I think they poured, they poured gasoline on a political fire. But the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee came to Merrick Garland's defense today. Here's part of what Senator Dick Durbin had to say, quote, Attorney General Garland has committed to avoiding even the appearance of politicization at the Justice Department and his appointment of a special counsel in this matter demonstrates that commitment yet again. By the way, Vic, the White House is not commenting on this like they have with basically all Hunter Biden matters, instead referring this over to the Department of Justice. Okay, Chief uh, Washington Correspondent Blake Berman, thank you very much for that reporting. Okay, panel, I'm going to turn to you first, May. You were a White House counsel. You understand how a lot of this stuff goes. A special counsel named to investigate Hunter Biden. That's a bad day for Hunter Biden, isn't it? No, it's not. Really? If if this would be like... Uh, Rudy Giuliani being named, uh, instead of Mueller, the special counsel to investigate Trump. Okay, maybe not <laughs> really? exactly to wow. that end, but it is a friend, right? This is, I know people keep saying David Weiss is uh, Trump, Trump appointed, appointee. but he was recommended by the two Democratic senators from Delaware. And maybe at that point still, I would have been willing to say this person is neutral until you saw this plea deal come out and until you have the whistleblowers really saying different stories. David Weiss always has his story aligned with Merrick Garland, even though there's a whistleblower with six witnesses saying that someone there is lying. So it, to me, this is someone yeah. who can't be trusted as far as being a honest broker. OK, Johanna, but, uh, Lindsey Graham says this is a political decision yeah. on the part of the Biden administration. You believe that? No, this is the reality of what had to happen. And they probably did it too late. Frankly, this should have been how they were handling it from the beginning. The problem I have, May, and you served in the Trump administration, is Trump is already promising that if he is elected, he's going to squash the investigation into his own massive lapses of judgment, including a assault on our democracy. And so we're in this situation. I don't know how it ends, but how can we bring ourselves back? What? How can we instill some trust in the system? Because it's just right now yeah. causing so much distrust. I mean, it's ugly. To, go ahead. Well, I would just say that this is actually appointing, making Weiss special counsel actually makes everything worse because now not only are we talking about whether or not we can get to the bottom of Hunter Biden, but now it actually sort of feeds into this um, narrative that I think has a lot of credibility that the that the Justice Department has been weaponized. Yeah. Um, and so, remember, Weiss was also the guy. Um, he had the sweetheart deal, tried a uh, plea deal for for Hunter Biden. He also, according to the whistleblower, ran interference anytime the IRS investigations yeah. got anywhere near Hunter Biden. So this is a guy who does not lend any kind of credibility that this is going to be an honest. All right, wait, I'm going to get a t- tweet from the uh, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. This action by Biden's DOJ cannot be used to obstruct congressional investigations or whitewash the Biden family corruption. If Weiss negotiated the sweetheart deal that couldn't get approved, as you guys have been saying, how can he be trusted as special counsel? House Republicans will continue to pursue the facts for the American people. And a lot of what has been thrown out there, Michael, by James Comer, the, the chairman of the Oversight Committee, uh, has really gotten some traction. He hasn't proven anything, yeah. but it's gotten some traction in the public arena anyway. Look, Hunter Biden has been under investigation for five years. He started under the Trump administration, and there still hasn't been any substantial charges in terms of finding anything related to real corruption. There hasn't. Right. I mean, Devin Archer gave his testimony. Republicans said it was going to be the big thing. It was All right. Nothing. If there's a rebuttal, make it well, quick. Real, We're moving on. Well, the, the interesting thing is, though, <laughs> five years, and they're just not doing a special counsel. Right when Congress started uncovering very specific 
specific examples that do point to corruption from the Biden family. All right, all right, all right. And gonna, the, all right. Not yet. Yeah, all right, we're going to turn. We're going to turn to the, the Iowa State Fair where Donald Trump is going to be appearing tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot to see and do and hear and smell, for that matter, this weekend in <laughs> Iowa as Republican presidential candidates vie to gain ground in that early voting state. The midway at the fair may need a traffic cop. Nearly every candidate in the crowded GOP race will be attending. The only hopeful that's absent is the former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. And News Nation's Kelly Meyer is on station there in Iowa, live at the fairgrounds in Des Moines. Kelly, it's shaping up to be a very big weekend in politics. Absolutely. Everywhere you turn here, Vic, it's politics and pork chops. There are Republican presidential candidates around every corner, surrounded by big press gaggles, waiting to hear what food they're going to try and what their reception from voters has been like. This is really the appetizer, even though it feels more like a fried feast, to the Republican presidential primary debate, the first one coming up in less than two weeks. And this is really a chance for candidates who haven't yet cleared the debate hurdles to get there. We just caught up with Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. He has said that if you don't make the debate stage, you should drop out of the race. He himself has yet to make the stage, though he tells us he's confident he will get there. There are other hopefuls and underdogs that we're talking here today saying that their message is getting across to voters. Take a listen. When you're in the executive branch, if you do the executive branch right, you have an opportunity to improve every American life. And when we do it right, we can bring out the best of America. You need someone who can negotiate. You need someone who has the right personality. You need someone that has the right vision and a track record of success. And I embody all those qualities. This is my chance to give back to my country. And that is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I love America. It's been great for me. It's been great for my family. It's been great for the world. Today was a busy day here at the Iowa State Fair. Tomorrow is going to be even busier. Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, DeSantis, they're all going to be here the same day as former President Donald Trump. And it's not just Republicans. Democratic candidates will be here, too. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson. President Biden, we're told, will be in Delaware. But for those contenders, they say this is their chance to show voters that there are other options besides incumbent President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump on the Republican side. You guys. Okay. Politics and pork chops, I love that. And all those candidates taking turns up on the stage, it's like some political, polemical poetry slam or something. <laughs> Kelly Meyer, thank you so much. All right. You've been to Iowa as, uh, with a presidential there. campaign. <laughs> Do, I mean, what, what's got to happen out there? I mean, is there going to be a su- substantial winnowing of the field uh, after this state fair, after the event coming up on, on the 23rd with the debate? Well, I think Iowa's a great opportunity and it can also be a great downfall. You get to engage with voters on the ground. You get to have a, a lot of organic opportunities, but you also can have viral moments that can be really devastating for your campaign. And so I think you have to look at it like this can be a really good thing or we can absolutely blow everything up. And okay. You're going to see a couple candidates blow things up. All right. Did your candidate uh, make any mistakes when he was in Iowa? We had a little incident with a <laughs> oh, slide, All right. you know. Okay. That was John Delaney. Okay. <laughs> Lots of time in Iowa. It Look, this is a family-friendly event. And I do, I would was going back in time and I was remembering we weren't super ahead in polls with President Obama. Yeah. It was, you know, it was still a time where we were trying to engage people. So I do think it's really important that News Nation is there, that they're hearing what's on the ground and that they're figuring out what they're all eating. Most importantly. Okay. What are, <laughs> you guys are the Republicans here. So what are, I'm just going to ask you, what do all, you're in the mind of every Republican. What does every Republican want to see come out of Iowa? 
I mean, one of the things I, I'm interested in is I want to see which people are the most natural and actually comfortable uh-huh. in that. Relatable. Not Ron DeSantis. No, well, relatable. <laughs> well, actually, actually, when I look at those pictures, I'm like, I want to see Vivek riding down a slide, you know, or on the Tilt-A-Whirl. I mean, that would be really awkward. <laughs> but, but you know, I do think it's like, you know, Nikki Haley is more comfortable in this environment. Um, I think Ron DeSantis actually will be. I mean, so um, very curious to see how comfortable and relatable these people are here. Yeah, I just, uh, it's the gaffes. I mean, I don't know how much there is to be gained by the state fair necessarily. I think obviously ground game in Ohio or in Iowa is important um, and be, having a national presence. At the state fair, I just think avoid looking like an idiot. Yeah, but I mean, it's like what we call earned media, right? It's it it's free. They get up on yeah. a stage and Larry Elder gets a soundbite. Yeah. Mike on, Pence on had a great News answer Nation. today yeah. about January 6th and about his obligations as VP. Like, I'm not a Mike Pence fan, but I think that was a good opportunity for him and a great soundbite. Sure. I just think, so, so there are going to be a lot of good soundbites. And so I think those end up getting drowned out. And the ones that don't. Or can you believe what he wore? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That, yeah, I think that, we did bumper cars, to your point. Uh-huh. I'll be very curious to yeah. see the photos of right. the DeSantis family. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of goofiness to ensue this weekend. We'll keep an eye out for that. All right, we are joined now by none other than News Nation Chief Washington anchor and the host of On Balance. He is Leland Vittert. He's also chasing down candidates at the Iowa State Fair on the Midway. Leland, uh, you got a chance to speak with former Vice President Mike Pence earlier today. He's polling in the single digits out there at this point. So how important are the coming days at the state fair for his candidacy? On a, on a voter, individual convincing a voter basis, it's not hugely important just because the number of voters you meet here, the number of caucus goers is not that significant. The exposure is. And one of these, this is a situation to, to show to Iowans who care deeply about the political process, that you can relate to them, and I will use this word that is political-minded folks talk about and have been talking about probably since the days of George W. Bush, which is authenticity, maybe the days of Ronald Reagan. Uh, the Iowa voters have a very low tolerance for inauthenticity and a very high acceptance of people who they believe understand and care about people like them. And certainly over the past uh, 8, 12, 16 years, we've seen Iowa move more red, but we've also seen it take on a little bit more of a rural values feel, a small town values feel. And Mike Pence was, was talking about that, especially as it came to, he felt as though because he was in Indi- from Indiana, he can connect based on agriculture uh, in, in terms of what people hear, because so much of Iowa is connected to agriculture and the economy is based in agriculture. Uh, he can connect in an unusual way. And there's certainly people uh, who come up to him and, and he is able to demonstrate that with. There's still a lot of anger at, at the former vice president by Trump supporters, and we've seen that on display uh, at the fair as well. One thing that sort of defines Mike Pence in the Republican race, other than his time in the Trump administration culminating on January 6th, is his views on abortion. Uh, he is far to the right, even of the Republican field. Uh, in terms of how he he talks about uh, abortion and the sanctity of life, you compare that uh, to what happened in Ohio in the special election when uh, a pro-life ballot measure was roundly rejected in a red state. Um, And and there there becomes a question of political pragmatism uh, for a man in the single digits, Vic, as you pointed out, about whether he can politically afford to keep up sort of this very, very hard right, very uh, strict view uh, on pro-life issues, and that's what we asked him about uh, as we as we caught up between the butter the butter cow and uh, the pork chop tent. Take a listen. Look, I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. 
there are things that are more important than politics. And having the opportunity now to restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law, I think, is a historic opportunity in our country, David. Uh, but look, I, I honestly believe that when you look at the recent midterm elections, men and women that stood with principle and compassion on behalf of the sanctity of life did very well. And I, I, I reject the notion that, that standing for the unborn, standing with women in crisis pregnancies, is a political loser. And we pushed back, saying, doesn't Ohio sort of show that this this doesn't work? And I think there's also polling out there uh, that we've seen, especially for Ron DeSantis, uh, that, that the issue of abortion, him signing the six-week ban in Florida, uh, has not sat well with voters. And the, the person who might understand that best and certainly has vocalized that best and got a lot of pushback um, from the traditionally conservative Republican base is Donald Trump, who said, I think the abortion issue really hurt. Uh, in 2022. That's what he blamed Republicans lost in the midterm on. Uh, and and he and he has taken that out to the campaign trail. We'll see him here tomorrow. Um, and he's he's been somebody to say, you know, I appointed justice as you repealed Roe, but is start is pulled way back from uh, the Republican orthodoxy about about really instituting a very, very, shall we say, strict federal bans in terms of uh, when abortions can be performed. Hey, Leland, it's Johanna Masca. You're in my old hood. Yeah. I am hoping that you're enjoying all of the fair food. But, you know, Donald Trump in 2016, he brought his helicopter and gave rides. Are we expecting any of these crazy antics from Trump tomorrow? I, I, haven't, I haven't heard about any helicopter rides, um, <laughs> but he doesn't have to. Um, D D Donald, Donald Trump of 2016 uh, needed to perform stunts. And in, uh, in, uh, Iowa now, he doesn't. He's, he is beloved here. That, that's not to say that there's not a lot of people who say they are undecided. And when I, I talk to a lot of the folks at the fair who are just, you know, here to, to observe and eat funnel cake and on and on, um, I said, do you buy the poll? You know, what do you think of the polling that says Donald Trump is going to be the nominee? And uh, we found a couple of Trump supporters. We found a couple of people who were undecided. But all of them said that they don't really believe the polling because so many of their friends are undecided. And I think mm. that you may, we may be at a situation where the polling shows, if forced, what people will ask. But the Iowa State Fair, and you know this better than anybody, Johanna, is that this is the beginning, not the end of the race. We're talking yeah. about five months until the Iowa caucuses. So there's a lot of people now who are just beginning to pay attention. Uh, and I mm -hmm. think it would be advising uh, for all of us to not necessarily look at the poll numbers and decide from that it's a foregone conclusion. Okay, Leland Vettered, clearly a man who does not eat a lot of funnel cakes or corn dogs. Thank hey. you very much. <laughs> Have a great weekend out there. Okay, a programming note for Monday coming up on News Nation. Leland will be live from Chicago, our headquarters, where News Nation is hosting the first presidential town hall with Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. There will be live audiences in Chicago, Iowa, and New Hampshire. That's on Monday, starting at 9 Eastern here on News Nation. With us now is Jeff Kaufman. He is the chair of the Iowa Republican Party. Mr. Kaufman, thanks so much for joining us. It looks like you are actually at the State Fair, otherwise known as the center of the political universe in the United States now. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 it feels, literally feels like I'm in the front car of an upside-down roller coaster, and I got motion sickness. So I'm hanging on, strapped in. Pleasure to be with you today. All right. Well, I, th I hope everybody stands clear of you then. All right. Let me, let me get right into it. Uh, you have candidates descending, Republican candidates, 
from your party descending on the state fair this weekend. There are events, there are speeches, there are roundtables, all of them trying to court Iowa voters. But let me ask you something. Donald Trump is miles ahead if the polls are to believe. Do any of these candidates, in your estimation, stand a chance of catching him by the caucus in January? You know, look, a, a victory by another candidate is going to be challenging. But this is what's crucial to know about the Iowa caucuses. There is more than one ticket out of Iowa. There's a fight there. If there's a fight for second place, whoever gets second place is going to get a momentum and a bump. There's a whole group of candidates that are working on name recognition. Whoever emerges from that group is going to get a bump out of Iowa. We're not supposed to pick the president here. We're supposed to kick the tires for the rest of the country. <laughs> so everything is fluid right now. It's a challenge for him. But remember, there's more than one ticket out of Iowa. Okay, well, since you're talking about second place and third place and fourth place, perhaps, it was Mr. Trump himself who lost in Iowa in 2016. He lost to Ted Cruz, right? And no caucus winner has gone on to win the party's nomination, your party's nomination, since George W. Bush in 2000. So will it be different this time? You know, I, I don't know. And, and in some ways, and I'm, I'm, it's a fair question, Mike, but in some ways it doesn't matter because of what our goal is. We're not supposed to pick the president. We're supposed to kick the tires. I'll be honest, I would be a little nervous if every single year after year after year, the winner of the Iowa caucus was the winner of the actual nomination process. In fact, I'd probably have problems with the rest of the RNC naming us first in the nation. Maybe this year will be different or not, but it doesn't change this basic fact. If you want to tell a fifth grade class that you can become president of the United States someday, you got to start in a place like Iowa, not California or Michigan or Texas or New York or wherever. Or South Carolina, for that matter, I guess you would say. Okay, so we hear a lot about the value of retail politics. Little inside political joke there. The value of retail politics. That basically means shaking hands in each of the 99 Iowa counties. But, you know, Donald Trump didn't do that. Uh, Donald Trump did not engage in that kind of retail politics. So is, is Donald Trump sort of uh, replacing the old way of politicking in Iowa? Fair question. And in 2016, I, you know, I thought about that. Is this, is this a new level? But what I'm seeing this year, his ground game, I'm, not, I'm, I'm picking this number very carefully. His ground game is 20 times better than what it was uh. in 2016. He's actually going to be here. He's going to be diving into the crowd. Obviously, there are limitations to a former president and Secret Service for what he can do with retail politics. But I'm telling you, the 2024 Trump campaign is a lot more retail than the 2016 Trump campaign. All right. Jeff Kaufman, the chairman of the Iowa GOP party. you got a big weekend ahead of you. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure to be with you, Mike. Okay, a lot to chew on, shall we say, uh, after the state fair, hearing all about that. Mike, let's start with you. Well, what does it mean, tickets out of Iowa? How many tickets are there out of Iowa? Does that mean you get to get to the next step? People are going to give you more money? What? So this, I think, is unique. Trump is probably going to win Iowa. Everyone else is playing for second place. And so that's why you're seeing Vivek, that's why you're seeing DeSantis really go in and try to meet voters where they are. I think what the Iowa GOP should be more worried about, and the GOP overall, is the calendar. We saw Jack Smith today request January 2nd as the trial date to start for January 6th. That means that during the Iowa caucus, in the very front loading of primary yeah. season, we're going to see Trump trying to navigate trials. 
that's something that should really worry Republicans moving forward, because that means that Trump can't really dictate the schedule. Okay. The prosecutors asked for a January 2nd trial date. January 6th is a Saturday, and they may have gone for that. Okay. (laughs) Coming up, Trump's legal trouble, speaking of, a key hearing today on the 2020 election case, and more indictments anticipated next week. How could it hit Trump in the heart of campaign season? Plus, disaster in Hawaii. No warning given as wildfires quickly spread, killing dozens and devastating the island of Maui. A look at what comes next. We'll talk to the man who led the recovery from Hurricane Katrina. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. And so, (laughs) I mean, he personally doesn't have to physically come after someone. But if he if he truths some uh, I'm coming after you, then there are plenty of people who are going to take that very literally. Yeah, but I don't think one of them. Yeah. Somebody was on Caesar Sayoc's list. Like it it gets personal. Right. And so, you know, when Trump Trump decoder, right, is always very fraught and difficult. (laughs) But when Trump says things that are just like, Kofefe, I'm upset, you know, I'm coming after you, (laughs) it's hard to interpret that as what that means. Like, uh, coming after who? For what purpose? To not testify? You know, how how are you going to keep politics out of this, though? No, this is inherently political. This is what this is. Um, But uh, not to say that there isn't some merit in what's going on, but it's very political. Do you think the judge is being political? I think she I think that she is. I think. Well, and I think in this particular case, when she's telling Donald Trump not to be tweeting when he had he has been tweeting or truthing um, throughout this entire thing. And I'm not a lawyer, but my lawyer friends tell me that he keeps saying things that are so deeply unhelpful to him. Absolutely. I don't think a judge now saying, now, don't you do that is going to actually make him do it less. Mm. I don't think it's going to make it do it less just because he's not the smartest person and has zero impulse control. But I think you do have to worry about him influencing witnesses, making witnesses not want to testify, having death threats, as we saw in uh, Utah against the president. Like his words matter and they carry weight. You know, truth has about 20 million uh, people on it. It's very muted compared to the Twitter 300 plus million people. If we get to the general election, expect all of those truth posts to go everywhere. Because yeah, well, that's already happening, though. If, they're you reminded, know. well, not to the level. People are, they're like, oh, I can ignore him. But these middle-of-the-road voters who are going to decide the election in key yeah. ground. people in my business, if they need a reaction, it doesn't matter where it's from. He puts it on his platform. To wit, here's one that he, he, he put out. <laughs> uh, I guess it was uh, on August 10th. Deranged Jack Smith mm-hmm. has just asked for a trial on the Biden indictment to, t- to, take, to take place on January 2nd, just ahead of the important Iowa caucuses. Only an out-of-touch lunatic would ask for such a date. One day into the new year and maximum election interference uh, with Iowa. He's also got some other court dates coming up. This is kind of the reason he well. lost, though. He turned yeah. off so many suburban voters because of the tweets. People got tired of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is why the right thinks that it's a huge conspiracy on the left to bring all these cases and make Donald Trump say all these things and lose the general. But like, he'd say them whether It's whether really or not. for DHS <laughs> in the federal government. But, um, yeah, I think to say we can't talk about politics is just ridiculous because it's he, Trump is going to be attacked by all these witnesses 
And to say he can't say anything back is just... It's like right, and he's on a debate stage. Someone attacks him uh, for well, his legal He didn't legal get a gag order, though. Right. They just said, yeah. be careful about the way that, in right. which she, she And she acknowledged that she's not going to go that right. far. It's going to yeah. be statements that are provided sort of through the court process that Trump receives that he can't then make those public and make intimidating statements based okay. on Okay, and then we have the state grand jury in Georgia uh, meeting yes. as well for what Buckle happened in Georgia up. with Ravensburg. Why do you say that, though? I mean, because at, this at is, this point, it's just another log on the fire. People are going to stop paying attention. It's to not, though, point. because this is a state case, which yeah. means it can't be, there's no pardon. Even the governor of Georgia can't pardon it. And this is a RICO case, which is going to bring in so many other individuals that are going to be now wanting to flip and testify. Yeah. Okay. All right. Coming up. Hawaii is on fire. Residents caught by surprise as wildfires quickly spread, killing dozens and destroying homes and businesses. Is the government doing enough right now? We'll discuss that in our next segment. Right now, at least 55 people are confirmed dead in Maui as wildfires devastate the Hawaiian island. Governor Josh Green saying that 80% of the historic town of Lahaina has been destroyed and that this is likely the worst natural disaster his state has ever seen. Joining us now is the vice chair of the Maui County Council, Yuki Lei Sugimura. Yuki, today the governor described Lahaina as a war zone. You're there. What does it feel and look like at this hour? Aloha, first of all, from Maui. And thank you very much for caring about us as we're going through this major disaster. Um, it's something that we have never seen in Hawaii, and I think it's the worst disaster um, many have seen throughout the country. Um, Lahaina, which is the area that you're showing right now on the screen, it does look like a war zone. I mean, that was my first reaction when I saw it. Um, residents are not able, have not been able to um, go back in after the, um, the devastation and after many of the residents were asked to be um, um, evacuated because of the blaring and raging fires. Um, but today, the good news is that the, our mayor is allowing and the coordination between all the um, emergency management people, they're allowing the residents to go back in. Um, you have to show your ID, show that you are from, you know, the Lahaina area and that you'll be able to, you know, go in and you must come out um, um, no later than 10 o'clock uh, tonight. So um, there is some monitoring, but I, there's a lot of people who've been waiting and waiting to see how their homes were. Once they and, were um, evicted. And, and Yuki, I understand that there's still upwards of a thousand people missing. This is two, three days later. Uh, what more can you tell us about the reunification process here? I have a producer that works in my staff here in Washington. Her name is Tanya Nori. She grew up in Lahaina. She says her uncle uh, was missing for days. Fortunately, he's just turned up. But there are others who are not so fortunate. What's the situation there? Yeah, so um, I think I heard that same estimate of a thousand people, and that was kind of a I think a guess at that point because we really don't know. Um, we still have, you know, the fires and um, the emergency response people having to go through and very carefully um, go through the rubble to really know what the uh, level of disaster is. But it, it is a rising number, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But uh, let me not, let me ask not- you, uh, Yuki, very quickly. Um, last question. So you worked in infrastructure on Maui and developing it. If I've read your biography. Uh, many residents say there was no early warning system. I know you have early warning systems from tsunamis that come from the sea. Why was there no, no early warning system? People were caught completely off guard. I, 
think it was a situation, um, if you think about climate change, all the elements that are being challenged now, this was an anomaly of the the worst of everything coming um, before us. So um, it is a situation that we always will think about the safety of our residents. That is always paramount. We can always do more. Uh, We can learn from this. But going forward, we certainly will assess where we are and make sure that we take care of the people that we're um, you know, trying to protect. So um, could we do more? I think that our, uh, our, our whole state was surprised at the magnitude of the winds, which is 50 to 80 miles per hour winds, which kind of blew the, the fire you know, and wildfire were yeah. traveling at speeds and uncontrollable. Um, our firefighters, our uh, police, everybody have been working really hard. We have gotten help. From, we have gotten help from California. They've sent people in. We have yeah. FEMA here already. The president did a, a, a disaster declaration um, early on just so that we could have the help that we need. But we are scrambling um, okay. to do the best that we can. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just an unbelievable and almost unspeakable situation. And we wish you the best of luck. Uh, Yuki Lei Sugimura. Uh, Mahalo, and thank you. Thank you for saying my name with a Japanese accent. Thank you very much. Sure. (laughs) Meanwhile, President Biden is working to get to Hawaii, get Hawaii the resources it needs to combat the blazing wildfires. He issued a federal disaster declaration on Thursday, promising to send whatever is needed to aid recovery efforts. Joining us now is retired Lieutenant General Russell Honore. He served as commander of Joint Task Force Katrina, you may remember, and was responsible for coordinating military relief efforts following Hurricane Katrina. And General Honore, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I want to ask you right off the bat here, what can be done in the short term here, uh, in the immediate aftermath of this disaster with so many people without power, without homes, uh, limited clean water? What's the first thing that needs to happen? Well, to uh, answer those needs, the number one job of government right now is to save lives. The uh, people that survive obviously want to go see their property. But the uh, responsibility of government at the state, local, and federal is to uh, ensure there's enough food, water, and shelter for those people who are displaced. Now, it's a big island. It's got 164,000 people on it. And uh, this town, I think the population uh, was around uh, 78,000 with uh, about 11,000 now without power and no communications. That can be fixed. Uh, that can be fixed by the United States military, uh, putting uh, communication kits in so people can communicate. I think that number will go down once the, they can get some cell towers up where people can communicate and there's a central place for people to call in. Uh, that number, most, uh, while people are speculating it may go up, uh, yeah. the problem is it goes down, uh, is what happens. But I think uh, with some... Expeditious work by the military and by giving the Corps of Engineers uh, an immediate mission to manage the debris. This is going to be a major problem in this uh, uh, Hawaii because it's sure. a delicate area or island. Uh, if you're in the United States, uh, just your neighboring states can come in and they help you. Now right, we're going to have right. to go. And General, yeah. that's what I wanted to ask you. We're talking about an island, there's a set of islands, the state of Hawaii, 2,000 right. miles off the coast uh, off the coast of California. New Orleans, the Gulf states that you had experience with, obviously that's part of the contiguous United States. So how does its geographic isolation make this that much more challenging? Don't do the way we did Puerto Rico. 
Uh, don't. There's a many. Uh, don't do it the way we did Puerto Rico because huh. we couldn't screw that up any worse. <laughs> and it was all here an hour off the coast of, of the U.S. This is 2,500 miles. Whatever we did in Puerto Rico, don't do it in Hawaii because uh, we're still recovering from that mess. Uh, a FEMA uh, has a job to do to help people with individual and property requirements, but the governor need to appoint somebody in that uh, can go in and help the mayor and uh, bring in some federal assets, appoint a federal administrator to go in and help them sort out what needs to be done because FEMA alone can't fix this. You got to have HUD in there. You got to have the Department of Transportation. You got to have the Department of, uh, yes, to get communications in there. So, Waiting and, and telling people to apply on FEMA will not work. Well, General Russell Honore, we appreciate you taking the time and your expertise and talking with us today. Thank you very much, sir. And if go you right would across. like to, all righty. And if you would you would like to help with recovery efforts in Hawaii, we've set up a link. It's right there on your screen: newsnationnow.com/help. And coming up, a new bombshell report about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. More lavish gifts from billionaire friends than had previously been known. What he received next. Yeah, dude, that doesn't look good. I know what to do. I'm going to castnetusa.com. I can apply minutes, and if approved, I can have the money as soon as the same business day. Go to CashNetUSA.com to apply for the money you need. I've always been prone to hair thinning. I was getting older. I was under a lot of stress. I started taking Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. I am back to me. Start your hair growth journey at Nutrafol.com. Subway slicing their turkey fresh, like on the Titan Turkey. Pile high with double the cheese and more meat. I prefer freshly sliced turkey. It's my favorite mouth guard flavor. Mm. Now available at Subway. The sub, not the mouth guard. Hey, everybody. Chris Cuomo here. Did you know that you can listen to News Nation live on your Amazon Echo device? Try it now. Just say, Alexa, launch News Nation. Welcome to News Nation. News Nation on the go. Streaming audio now on Amazon Alexa. Welcome back. A new report from ProPublica this week reveals more unreported luxury gifts accepted by Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. They include at least 38 destination vacations, 26 private jet flights, 12 VIP passes to sporting events, two stays at a luxury resort, and one standing invitation to what they call an uber-exclusive golf course. Uh, This new report comes as some justices are sounding off on what role Congress has, if any, In regulating the high court, here was Justice Samuel Alito last month in an interview with The Wall Street Journal. He says, Congress did not create the Supreme Court. No provision in the Constitution gives them the authority to regulate the Supreme Court, period. And here was, on the other side, Justice Elena Kagan last week speaking in Portland, Oregon. Have a listen. It it just can't be that the court is the, the only institution that somehow is not subject to any checks and balances from anybody else. I mean, we're we're not imperial. So can Congress do various things to regulate the Supreme Court? I think the answer is yes. Okay, May Mailman. Uh, All right, look, 
I know the argument is, well, what about Sotomayor's book deal? What about Breyer's deal with this? Gorsuch had a book deal. They didn't recuse themselves when, when the, the publisher came before them. Should this, I mean, should this be legal to begin with? I mean, regardless of who it is, Republican, appointed by a Republican, appointed by a Democrat. Well, I think if we're going to talk about illegality, then I would want to have recusals when you have Random House Publishing from Sotomayor paying $3 million and yeah. she's not recusing. As far as whether you went on a fishing trip from somebody who does not have business before the court, and for Alito's fishing trip, this is Paul Singer, who was on the opposite side of what Alito wanted to uh, decide on the gay marriage issue. Yeah. I don't know. It's just going to be a flood of recusal I mean, but requests. we're talking about a, a little flood. bit more than fishing trips, right? We're talking about a private 737 picking up Clarence Thomas and taking Eight helicopter rides. And nothing yeah. remotely approaching anything that even then why not a conflict of interest. Then why None not put it, it in the report? What do you mean? You I mean, but... No, okay, every member of Congress or the House has a $50 gift limit. Should yeah. that be abolished? <laughs> yes. Well, you think well, they should just I mean, take why is it there? Gifts? It's an no, ethical. I, I These actually, people have a position I do, of power. I think that this is highlighting that there's been problems for a long time. I suspect that the Supreme Court justices of the past were not perfectly, you know, yeah, ethical all the yeah. time. There wasn't enough scrutiny. But I do think that we need to have a higher standard for our ethical and moral behavior, and I'm hopeful we can all follow all right, the guy. He was required by law to disclose it and didn't. If, if there's nothing Some to hide, why, yeah. why, why not just put it in your disclosure? Well, he did disclose a lot of it. Some of it he didn't. He's gone back. He hasn't tried to hide it. But again, nothing <laughs> has approached illegality. None of these people have been before the court. But I will say, since 1991, progressives have gone after Clarence Thomas. We have an originalist well, leaning Supreme Court right now. Um, and I think that people are very, very frustrated. But he has been consistent in his jurisprudence okay. throughout. All right. He's not a purchased uh, no. justice. He, right. Not at all. He is Crow would say something. All right, this just in: some uh, Democrats in the House are calling for the Justice Department to start an investigation, launch an investigation to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas for consistently failing to report gifts he receives. We'll see if that actually happens. Okay, coming up: a governor, a squeegee, and a butter cow. Okay, the story behind this video. Well, uh, all right, I'm intrigued. That's what I call a tease. Coming up next. Tonight on News Nation, Leland's live at the Iowa State Fair and talks 2024 with former Vice President Mike Pence, Governor Doug Burgum, and Marianne Williamson as they discuss their respective presidential bids, why they think they are the best person for the job, plus former Arizona gubernatorial candidate and native Iowan Carrie Lake, and a special counsel is named in the Hunter Biden probe. The political ramifications and fallout. Unbalanced live from the Iowa State Fair, only on News Nation. Okay, while the political cattle call happens in Iowa, across the border in the Illinois State Fair, they're really having a cow. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker unveiled an 800-pound cow made of butter. That's right, a butter cow this week at the Illinois State Fair. There was so much condensation on the cow's case, he had to grab a squeegee and clean the glass for everyone to see. There's even a live camera fixed on that bovine behemoth. Okay, panel, having a ball with cholesterol out there, out there in the Midwest. I love butter. You love butter? Saying. Oh, you're on the record. I love butter. Okay. What happens to the cow? Does someone, like, get to take home a leg? It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> slippery slope. I, I sent the whole panel this, but at one point, a mega fan brought Barack Obama in Iowa 
a butter head of himself, a butter Barack Obama. And it's like, wow. what are you going to do but, with so that? Are you going like, to eat yourself? These are like Midwestern's Midwestern Michelangelo's, right? They're sculpting. I want some butter waiting for me when I get home. Artistic craftsmanship that went into making this cow. take a piece of bread and just wipe it Bringing our country together over butter. You know what? I think that we have milked this for all. It's great. All right, so. Don't have a cow. Thanks, Kit. All right. Thank you for watching The Hill on News Nation. We'll be back Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Elizabeth Vargas reports starts right now. The investigation into Hunter Biden takes a dramatic turn as the U.S. attorney investigating him is given new power to go wider in his probe. Attorney General Merrick Garland today appointed David Weiss to investigate any and all crimes that may have been committed by the president's only living son. Could this lead to a criminal trial? Then we take you to Hawaii.